Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Turn our attention to the second two parts, second and third part of Psalm 19. It's our focus for today. We'll begin reading at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy. It gives wisdom to the inexperienced. The precepts of the Lord are right. They give joy to the heart. The commandment of the Lord is bright. It gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure. It stands forever. The just decrees of the Lord are truth. They are altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, even better than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the honeycomb. Yes, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can recognize his own errors? Declare me innocent of hidden sins. Restrain your servant also from deliberate sins. Do not let them rule over me. Then I will be blameless. Then I will be innocent of great rebellion. May the speech from my mouth and the thoughts in my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Why does the Bible say that only a foolish person would declare that there is no God? David answered that question in the first part of Psalm 19, some words that we sang earlier in the service. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. David says their their speech is universal. They speak an unspoken language that everybody can understand. No matter where you live, no matter what language you speak, no matter what spot on the earth you are, if you look up at the heavens and you contemplate the vastness of the universe, you think, there must be a God. You stand in awe. Only a fool would conclude that the vastness of the universe and the way everything works together just happened by chance, by accident. The writer of the Hebrews says, Every house is built by someone, and God is the one who built everything. And the Apostle Paul seems to be thinking of this psalm when he writes, What can be known about God is evident among them because God made it evident among them. In fact, his invisible characteristics, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world because they are understood from the things he made. As a result, people are without excuse. By nature, by looking at the vastness of the heavens and the universe, by studying how the body works and is fearfully and wonderfully made, God gives witness not only of his existence, but also of his wisdom and his power. But knowing that there is a God who is wise and who is powerful, that's only enough to terrify you. It's not enough to save you. God has not written his plan of salvation in the heavens. He's only recorded it for us in his word. That's why David, after he speaks about the glory of God being revealed in creation, goes on to speak even more 
of the glory of God revealed in his word. He presents this glory and power and wisdom of God by referring to the word in six different terms, followed by six characteristics of that word, and then talks about many wonderful blessings given to us by the word. He starts, The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. It's worth noting the fact that as David talks about the glory of God revealed in nature, he uses just the generic term for God, the Hebrew word Elohim. But when he talks about the glory of God as it's revealed in his word, he uses the very specific name for the one and only true God, Jehovah. Translated in our Bibles, Lord in all capital letters, the God who is faithful to his promises. Because of the witness of nature, people all over the world worship something, an unknown God. But it's only through God's word that we know who that unknown God is and what he has done and most importantly, how he provides eternal salvation. He is faithful to his promises. It's also worth noticing that the word law, you can see in the footnote in, in your folder, that word law is Torah, a word that means instruction, a word that traditionally is used for the first part of the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus used it that way, right? He talked about the Bible as the law, Torah, and the prophets. So in the context of the psalm, when you hear the word law, don't think of Ten Commandments, just laws of God. But this is everything, the whole instruction of God, both his law and his gospel. The instruction of the Lord. The words that he has given us in the Bible, David says, they're perfect. They're complete. They tell us everything that we need to know for this life and, more importantly, everything we need to know about how to have eternal salvation. Because of that, they revive the soul. Without the Word of God, we'd be like those who reject God and His Word, who look at life and say, well, life's a, well, fill in the blank, and then you die, and that's it. That's all there is because of God's word. We have wonderful hope, sure and certain hope of eternal life, eternal joy, living in the presence of that God who is not only powerful and wise, but loving and gracious. David continues, the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy. It gives wisdom to the inexperienced. So we heard in our first lesson, when God brought his people to Mount Sinai, he chose to speak to them directly. As they were gathered at the base of the mountain, they heard his voice rolling down the mountain out of the cloud and the fire that was on top of the mountain, and they were terrified. They begged Moses, tell God to stop. Hear his voice. Ask him if he'll speak to you, and then you can tell us what he said. And God said, 
Okay, that's good. God gives his testimony about himself through the prophets that he has chosen. And the Bible says in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son, through Jesus. That's testimony that he gives through those prophets that he has chosen, David says, is trustworthy. God said, through Noah, there's a flood coming. It happened, just as Noah said. Through many different prophets, through many different centuries throughout the Old Testament, God kept telling his people the Messiah is coming, told them exactly where he was born, gave, him, gave them wonderful details about who he would be and what he would do and about how he would die and even that he would rise again. As we go through the Lenten season, we're reminded of how all of those specific prophecies about Jesus were perfectly fulfilled in him. As the resurrected Jesus walked and talked with the disciples from on the road to Emmaus and showed them all of those prophecies in Scripture and how they were perfectly fulfilled in his life and death and resurrection, their hearts were warmed and they rejoiced. They understood that the testimony God is faithful. When we hear a promise of Scripture, we can say, Amen. God always keeps his promises. Because the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, there is no better place to go for instruction for guidance for advice in our lives we can go back and go through the scripture and study the lives of the patriarchs the life of david the life of paul and we can learn from their mistakes but more importantly we can learn a lot about our good and faithful and gracious god david continues the precepts of the lord are right they give joy to the heart the commandment of the Lord is bright. It gives light to the eyes. God has precepts, rules for everything that he's created. The, the stars and the planets still stay in the courses that God told them to stay in when he created them. He has rules and precepts for everyone and everything that he has created. Yes, we can choose to oppose those precepts and those commands of God. But when we do, it only leads to trouble and to guilt. As we often find out the hard way, life's a lot easier when you follow the instructions. God pointed it out pretty clearly, very specifically in the fourth commandment, right? With you, honor and obey your parents then life goes a lot better for you than if you don't. Those who see that the commands and precepts of God are the way that is right and good, they are enlightened. They see the truth. They experience an inner joy that those who reject God and his word can't possibly know. David continues, the fear of the Lord is pure. It stands forever. God's word teaches us to stand in awe of God. It continually reminds us he's God. We're not. He's the one that's in control. We're not. 
reminds us that God's will is done, either through us or in spite of us. His will is pure. We are to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. That's never going to change. That's true even when we see God face to face and live in his glorious presence forever. We'll still stand in awe of his power and his wisdom and his love and his grace. That's something that continues through all eternity. The fear of the Lord stands forever. And David concludes, the just decrees of the Lord are truth. They are altogether righteous. That's one we wonder about a lot of times, right? It doesn't always seem that the things that God decides, his righteous decrees, they don't always seem right to us. Job experienced that more than most probably. In fact, he challenged God. He said, God, come on down. I want to talk to you face to face. I want to argue with you about how all these things that are happening to me, they're not just. That's not right. But God did appear to him, and Job immediately realized that he was wrong. And he repented in dust and ashes. Like Job, we need to learn from God's word that we deserve a lot worse than whatever it is we think is happening to us that's unjust. If God were perfectly just, if he did treat us as our sins deserve, we'd be eternally condemned for those sins. But he is righteous. His righteous decree, his wonderful righteous decree is that the punishment you and I deserve for all of those sins, he's decreed that they're given to Jesus in our place. His wonderful righteous decree is you are not guilty of whatever sin you've committed. You're not guilty because of Jesus. There's nothing more wonderful than that gracious decree of our faithful Lord. Considering that it's only through the word that God reveals to us the truth. The truth about who he is, the truth about how everything came to be, the truth about what's right and what's wrong, and most importantly, the truth that he offers eternal salvation for free to all who trust in Jesus. God's word is better than much pure gold. It is sweeter than honey, fresh from the comb. There's nothing better, nothing more desirable than God's word. It is the power of God for salvation. David concludes his song by pointing to the effect that God's word has on him, that it has on all believers. He says it warns. It makes God's will clear. It shows us very clearly, what God says is sin, and what God says is good and pleasing in his sight. As it does that, it also reveals things that we have done that we didn't realize were sins, but now we do realize. They might have been hidden, we might have not have thought 
Something that we had done was sinful, but God's Word calls it to our attention and points it out. And so we pray with David, declare me innocent, cleanse me of hidden sins. Not because I deserve it, not because, well, it's not fair to call it a sin if I didn't know it was a sin. No, that's not an excuse. Declare me innocent in the only way that you possibly can. Because of Jesus, because of his perfect life in my place, because of his innocent suffering and death for me. With David, we also realize that we have a sinful nature. And because of that sinful nature, we're constantly tempted every day to do things that we already know are wrong, deliberately. And so we pray with David. We strain us from deliberate sins. Do not let them rule over me. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. And when we do fall into sin, send us a Nathan. Send us a pastor, a, a loving Christian friend who might call us to repentance. Strengthen us through the word to resist temptation, to call upon you in every trouble, to look for that way out that you have always promised to provide so it's always there. Strengthen us through the word to trust that in Jesus alone we have forgiveness. Then I will be blameless, David says. Then I will be innocent of great rebellion. Whenever you're outside at night contemplating the vastness of the universe, maybe looking for one of those comets that have come by recently, some strange alignment or of the planets, northern lights, whatever it might be, as you contemplate those things, you can't help but stand in awe of God. But God's glory is revealed even more clearly in his word. Through his word, he empowers us for our daily struggles in life. He reveals to us the truth, what really is right, what really is wrong. But most importantly, he reveals to us the truth about himself. He is the one and only true God. He's not only wise and powerful, but more importantly, he's loving and gracious, faithful to his promises. He promised humans, all humans, that he would send a Savior. And he kept his promise. As we learn about that Savior, Jesus, and what he has done for us, we have peace. Peace with passes all understanding, a peace that is for us right now. And we also look forward to inexpressible joy that lasts forever as we live in the presence of God. May God's word be for you more desirable than much pure gold, sweeter to you than honey dripping right from the honeycomb. Amen. Please stand. In the peace of God.